and thank you for joining the IPG Media Lab up here on Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elchison. Uh, this week, we have two very special guests joining us on this week's episode to talk everything direct-to-consumer and out-of-home. Uh, so first up, our special guest this week is Terry Rakovich, uh, D2C expert. Uh, she's worked in the past with brands like Caspor, Outdoor Voices, and ModCloth, and currently she's the co-founder and CEO of, of the direct-to-consumer pet food startup, Jinx. Terry, welcome to Floor 9. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you here. Additionally, from the out-of-home world, uh, we have Kenton Langstroth, previous director of the partnerships team here at the IPG Media Lab, Cur- currently the VP of partnerships over at Intersection. Uh, and do you want to give us a little bit of background on what you do over at Intersection? Yeah, because I don't know. Absolutely. We well, talk all the time, but uh, <laughs> what does he do? Yeah, well, first, thanks for, for having us on the pad. It's like It's great to be back. Uh, at West uh, on West Thirty Third. Sorry, I'm getting instructed to like really speak into yeah, this microphone. Yeah, get into the microphone. You want to chew on it? Yeah. So so it's it's interesting. Like post you know agency, I was really you know looking for like you know the next opportunity and you know intersection um, you know which is a, a leading um, out of home technology and media company you know really presented a, a unique opportunity for me, which was to you know reinvent a media channel. Right. You know how can we create sort of a, a new experience and a new deal for one of the oldest media channels uh, out there. So at Intersection, I'm very much, you know, working very closely with brands and with um, agencies and media owners to figure out how we can push, you know, out of home into the 21st century. Yeah. And for all our listeners that don't know, Intersection is the big booths with the panels that are replacing uh, payphones. Is that a good way to describe it? How would you describe it? Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, Link, which you're describing is is one of our, our key products. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, we, we wanted to, you know, rethink, you know, out of home beyond just wallpaper that is, you know, sort of promoting, you know, brands and it's really right. just sort of in an advertising medium and to think through like, how could out of home actually provide utility to, to people in cities? Right. So, you know, Link, um, you know, the primary utility there is it's the world's um, fastest free um, public Wi-Fi network. Um, in the context of New York City, we have roughly 6 million Wi-Fi subscribers to date. So, yeah, yeah. you know, for us, we're trying to figure out, you know, certainly, you know, out of home and getting brand messages out there, but also, you know, how to, you know, earn attention um, right. and engagement from from consumers. So yeah. Link's a big product for us. Uh, we have a number of other digital products that are um, positioned in transit systems. And mm-hmm. we also have traditional out of home products like station nominations and bus media and rail media. All that yeah, kind of stuff. but I think everybody likes Link. Link the best. <laughs> yeah, that How personally. How cool are those links, by the way? I see them all over the city. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're super cool. Like they're getting video now. Now it's great. Terry, how, how about yourself? Give us some background because you've had a, a very uh, pretty, uh, you know, I would say expert run through the different D 2 C brands that are out there today. Like you said, Casper, Outdoor Voices, Mod Cloth. Have I mm-hmm. have I missed any? No, that's it. Um, okay. Expert is definitely a very generous assignment. <laughs> um, I think yeah, I've I've had kind of these serendipitous moments where I've talked to the right person at the right time and had an opportunity to join a brand at a really early stage. But um, I started my career at an agency, and so that's where I really kind of built a lot of my digital muscle and worked with Fortune 500 companies um, before I started to get the itch to go early stage. And so that's when I jumped to the brand side and moved from startup to startup to startup, kind of like, you know, assuming more of like a startup junkie title than anything. Um, but it's really kind of early stage businesses that excite me. And so 
um, Mod Cloth and then Casper and then Outdoor Voices have been some of the cool dope brands that I've gotten to kind of work with. And those are awesome. Like those, those, those like the headliner, uh, the DTC brands that we're always putting in our decks for examples to kind of educate, uh, you know, our different brands here. It's like, those are like, those are some great places to, um, to really start your career in that, uh, startup, um, kind of direct to consumer space. Definitely. Yeah. And I think Mod Cloth and Outdoor Voices, I joined at really interesting inflection points as they were thinking about how to kind of grow up their growth story mm-hmm. um, and add some sophistication to kind of how they were thinking about media as a tool or as an asset to grow and to get more get more business. Um, and then Casper, I joined pre-launch. And so it was like having my fingerprints all over this thing that we we built and we launched um, and became somewhat of a rocket ship in terms of how it gained momentum and assumed this pretty kind of aggressive trajectory in a very short period of time. So all really great experiences um, and all really interesting stories to kind of think about telling through a media landscape. Right. No, that's fantastic. And I think we have, uh, you're just the two perfect people to be on this episode because we're looking today um, from the intersection of pun intended, uh, <laughs> out of home and these D to C companies that are becoming more and more mature and they're, and they're looking for new, uh, audiences and places to be. Um, so I would like to start very basic, um, Terry, and we'll, and we'll start with you. Just like, how would you define a direct to consumer brand? Sure. So I think a direct to consumer brand is effectively the brand that is, is, working directly with the consumer to sell a product or a service. And so in that case, they're really owning the relationship from end to end. And um, I would say it's the relationship, the experience and the data mm-hmm. and all of those three things kind of really working in harmony to make sure that the consumer um, understands what the brand's mission is and and what they're selling and what they're promoting. Yeah. I Agree completely. That's that. I think that's the um, those three things are really what we're seeing um, larger brands kind of struggle with is to understand how can they develop those consumer relationships, how can they use data to better inform their product decisions, um, and really like what is that purpose? You know, like that purpose driven marketing um, that is needed to, in a sense, be that kind of lifestyle brand uh, that a lot of these direct to consumer startups um, are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that like purpose built is like certainly something like when we're thinking about direct to consumer brands, it's sort of baked into the ethos. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I think a lot of you know mature brands or, or legacy brands are sort of trying to cling on or trying to discover you know what their purpose is because it wasn't you know part of their foundation. So you know I think it's you know purpose is a unique trait. Purpose right. built I think is a unique trait of direct to consumer. Yeah, I agree. So I'm if we're talking about purpose built for a second, Terry, I would love to know from I guess like Casper because you were there pre-launch. Like how is how is Casper thinking about? this purpose that they can provide to consumers and this idea of it's a more like lifestyle branding that is, you know, what they've become today. Sure. So we, we always said that, um, we weren't a mattress startup. We were a sleep company. And Mm. so when you talk about a mattress, it's so, um, it's, it's kind of so tactical when you talk about sleep, it is, it is dreamlike pun intended. It (laughs) um, It is, it is something that, especially in the city that never sleeps, it's a topic that I think is really important. Um, we chose to kind of be quirky and clever in terms of how we talked about it. Um, but it was really saying that sleep powers 
you to be the most productive human during your, during your wakeful hours. And so it's really important. And whether you're getting three hours or six hours or nine hours, they should be well rested so that you can be, um, you can be successful. And so, you know, communicating that mission and a digital framework was a great opportunity to tell a story. But then I would say in a more traditional fame framework, it gave us, um, it gave us a lot of leverage to be creative with how we elevated the conversation um, and how we talked about, you know, sleep as kind of this, this utility that we need to be successful. Yeah, I think the other, you know, cool thing, and I know it was a strategic choice for, for, for Casper was really to reduce complexity, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like initially there was one mattress, Whereas if you're looking at the competitive, you know, set or the legacy competitive set, you know, you're talking about hundreds of, you know, variations and features choices. and functionality and choices. And it's like, there's so much cognitive overload today that, you know, I think that simplicity message was also like really well received and well-timed. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say the the buying experience was uncomfortable in that you go into a showroom and you lay on a bed in front of someone or some, <laughs> some other strangers and you're kind of just getting this look like, when are you done? Is it comfortable? What's my opportunity to sell you outside of your budget range? And all of that is just really uncomfortable. And so right. creating a better experience and creating um, or, or I should say focusing on ease and convenience from shopping through delivery was something that they really got right. Yeah. I mean, the bed in a box. Yeah. That was life changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that like that in itself was its own marketing kind of like strategy that just became like kind of an instant. It's life of its own. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Casper. Yeah. I have a Casper. Nice. Uh, I use that box for my TV stand for probably about a year. Um, so it was like a dual purpose for me, not only a fantastic mattress, but I also got a TV stand. I, so I, I think there's some more that you guys can do with the boxes, but we'll, we'll leave that for another podcast. Yeah. you. There is a lot of unboxing content. Mm -hmm. And so people get very creative with how they think about using that thing. But I think it speaks to the thoughtfulness that went into the packaging and the packaging design, because that box has become a bit iconic in the space. So when you right. see a Casper box on the street or in a home or in someone's social feed, um, I, I think that there's kind of that immediate recognition, right? Yeah. which was intentional. It's good. So smart. It was, it was very smart. Yeah. I, th I think we'll, we'll come back to the idea of trust through the lens of media at some point during this conversation. But I also think... Casper built a lot of trust in sort of reimagining the return process, mm -hmm. right? Like here's this, this pain point or this fear that consumers have in that they're going to make this like sizable investment in something that isn't going to live up to expectation. And then it's going to cost them hundreds of dollars to, you know, return it and a whole bunch of hassle. Right. Whereas, you know, that was a pain point and you guys solve for that. And I think a pretty, in a pretty unique way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I think one of the benefits of, these direct to consumer brands, um, you know, you're building products for actual people and their actual needs. Instead of building a suite of products and saying, here's why you need this product, you're asking their, your, your consumers, you're getting that feedback, and then you're going out there and building the product that is needed. Uh, when you do talk about a direct to consumer brand, it, it always boils down to that consumer acquisition cost. So, why is that so important um, for a direct to consumer brand to have? Sure. So I would just say the nomenclature around CAC kind of varies by brand. And so I've heard it be really interchangeable with CPA 
which is okay. cost per acquisition or cost per action, CPO, which is cost per order, CPC, which is cost per conversion. And so I think um, all indicate that it's really just a critical metric as you think about growth. And, um, and I think brands are using it to inform their growth strategies and then also just their path to profitability. And so depending on company goals, they usually have a range that allows them to establish both a floor and a ceiling. And that articulates kind of the tolerance level for what is considered efficient versus uncomfortable. And they try to stay within those ranges to really design a channel mix that achieves some type of blended CAC that stays within range, within tolerance, mm-hmm. and allows them to kind of continue to invest and diversify and unlock different customer potentials. Um, and sometimes that's digital, sometimes it's traditional, right. and, and sometimes um, I think it's through experiences. Yeah. So test and learn is really, really, you know, that's the, uh, the true driver, um, of kind of figuring out like what channel might be next. And it seems like for direct consumer brands, we've, we've talked about it. Uh, traditional channels seem to be like that next move. Um, so Kenton, as a person that's working in the out of home space today, um, I would say more on the cutting edge of out of home based off, you know, what you have for, with the link technology, um, you know, how are how are directing super brands approaching the conversation with you? Yeah, I mean, I think you know their their mindset is that out of home can certainly deliver on at least in, in in a fairly economical way the 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 brand building or the traditional like upper funnel you know metrics or objectives that they're setting out. Mm-hmm. But I think because most of these brands are, are are really you know they were grown online they sort of like yep. started within the world of, of social and digital their expectation is that out of home should and it's almost like they're willing it to happen deliver on some of those mid to even like lower funnel um, actions that you know social is able to drive for them or that you know sort of performance you know digital is, is it should drive for them so their their viewpoint is inherently different about out of home than I think you know traditional you know legacy brands who just sort of see it as like you know uh, an awareness uh, an awareness generator so right. you know they're they, they've been pus- pushing us as far as you know exploring new um, you know forms of creative and calls to action and are you know hyper aggressive when it comes to you know optimization and creative testing and thinking through different value exchange or offers to drive action after ad exposure versus right. just using, you know, out of home as, you know, a large, pretty canvas to, you know, promote, you know, some sort of, you know, brand. Yeah. Brand they want, they want results and they want them now, Kenton. <laughs> <laughs> they do. And so Terry, I mean, from, from your perspective as well, like how, like, cause I, obviously I think you've worked with Kenton in the past when it comes to out of home, were you, were, were you one of the ones that were out there kind of pushing out like intersection to kind of build those solutions or, or those technologies or the metrics, whatever it might be to actually kind of take out of home and transform it into a more like lower funnel stage kind of acquisition channel? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there has to be really sound logic in every investment, I think, especially in early stage companies, just because that financing needs to be intentional or, or else you need to go and fundraise again and, and everyone gets diluted. So, um, I think that out of home is, is really kind of becoming this obvious, next phase of how to unlock growth and really cultivate a different relationship with the consumer. Um, but I would say in terms of KPIs and metrics, yes, we're looking at impressions and reach and exposure, um, captive audience and dwell time and the ability to really localize a message. And so being able to execute that um, and then also capture data and understand it 
Uh, it, it can be done a variety of ways, but you really need your vendor to be compatible and understanding the data capture and collection piece so that you can say this worked, this didn't work, or we need to, we need to test a different format. We need mm-hmm. to test a different footprint, a different execution and so forth. So Kenton, I'm, I'm curious to know from your perspective, uh, what do these more traditional channels like out of home or retail allow DTC brands to do differently than a Google or a Facebook? So I, I think, you know, inherently, you know, out of home and more traditional channels have built in trust. And I think a lot of times, you know, we, we've talked, you know, agency side around this idea of, you know, the importance of, of social proof. And, you know, you're much more likely to, you know, be um, or to consider a product if, you know, friends or friends of friends or, you know, trusted influencers are, you know, talking about or, um, you know, recommending products to you. So I think with the built-in trust that out-of-home and, you know, traditional channels like broadcast have, they're attractive mediums for uh, brands to invest in to to spur that trust with consumers. So that that's... That would be like the, sh- the, the, the short answer. I think also, you know, out of home because it's changing a bit from just being an awareness only driving media channel to being able to drive, you know, consideration and even, and even other consumer actions, um, allows, I think, brands to have more flexibility and fun creatively. So right. it's not just one of those things where it's, you know, a picture and a, and a tagline. It can actually, you know, help people. Um, learn more about a product or a service, or it can, you know, we, we talked a bit earlier about this idea of resonance. It can mm-hmm. actually change uh, your your mood or could make you smile. So, you know, I, I think that's that's the reason why, you know, traditional channels are starting to become more interesting for, for D2C companies. That's great. Like, what are you, what are you hearing from, 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 from your end, from like a, a demand perspective? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's been sort of like a constant trend over the past, I would say, like six to nine months of like those conversations just, you know, increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with some of the things that we're talking about, you know, today, which is the fact that, you know, some of the social, um, you know, strategies, you know, aren't quite, you know, working um, as effectively or as, you know, cost efficiently as they as they once were. That said, I don't think that direct to consumer brands are abandoning social. I mean, right. I, th- I mean, that's sort of. You know, it's it's almost like their their home base or their their home base of operations, if you will. I think it's sort of you know if if social's the house, like what are the additions that you can you know add on to the house to you know increase you know effectiveness and have more of a, a blended um, approach. So I think they're thinking through you know how do I tell a connected story to people throughout their day across multiple media environments that actually impacts them to take some form of action right. um, that I'm looking for or, you know, increases the likelihood that they'll stick with me for, you know, not just, you know, six months, but increases, you know, you know, you know, lifetime value by, you know, a factor of X. Um, so I think that that omni-channel approach, which we typically sort of, you know, think of as something that's more of like a, a legacy brand thing is actually becoming, I think, more of a, a D2C, um, you know, marketing playbook or media playbook. I'm over here shaking my head furious. <laughs> you guys can't see me, but I think I think you've got it completely right. It is it is an experience from end to end that I think needs to be considered. And there's some really great and innovative things happening in the out of home space. And so even if the the kind of static billboard or or what you might where your mind goes when you think of out of home is isn't 
a good fit for your brand. There's so many ways to be sophisticated and and really kind of uh, digital forward about the way that you use out of home. And so I'm just like same page. You said it beautifully. Yeah, I and this is what I, what I'm really interested in is because we're kind of seeing this um, like really like, like, like a drive from these, you know, new native digital startups. They were, they were born online. They are under, like, they know how to collect the data. They, they know how to process the data to inform product decisions, their marketing. Um, it's something that is, you know, going to be slowly, but surely a, more of an ask, more, more of a measurement ask, more of an attri- like attribution mask, uh, or an ask. Um, and I'm, I'm just really interested to see how that's going to be impacting the channels like, you know, TV, like out of home, even like retail, because like I said, um, Today, I think a lot of like the traditional brands, they don't they don't look at these channels as acquisition targets, but more of this kind of larger brand awareness, brand building, um, you know, type of channels. So I'm interested to see like how this demand from these really well known startups uh, in the direct to consumer direct in the direct to consumer space, whoo boy, um, <laughs> will kind of shift and change that uh, perspective of what can be measured or how we measure things um, moving forward. Because it makes sense, you know. If, I think if if we get everything back to a product or sale, I mean that's really you know a great way to prove out how effective media is being um, for all for all brands. Yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 fascinating to see how both TV and out of home are sort of both going through this 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 digital transformation mm-hmm. pretty much around the same like time horizon, right? Like you know we we were talking agency side for years about you know addressable TV or you know o, you know OTT and how you know it's not just one of those things where you're buying you know um, you know demographics or shows you're actually buying you know specific audiences uh, and that's coming to pass now in television that's coming to pass now within the context of out of home it's not necessarily a media that you need to plan based upon location mm-hmm. you can certainly plan against it based upon audience and the way that a lot of you know folks are are getting at that and you know that we're getting at that is through um you know mobile data right you know we're we're starting to understand how segments of people are are moving through through cities and and allowing advertisers the opportunity to reach them um you know at the right place and, and at the right time so this addressable tv addressable out of home like that's all happening at the same time and then i think on the back end you know attribution you know finally you know, TV is becoming, um, you know, to to a certain degree, um, you know, attributable to to sales and to you know conversion metrics. And out of home is doing the exact same thing. I remember, you know, having you know a conversation, you know, years ago with um, a senior leader um, at Hasbro, and I was trying to convince him to reallocate, you know, some TV dollars to to digital. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how do you even know if if TV is working? And he's like, Kenton, I know that when I run, you know this many GRPs, you know, on, on these networks, my sales increase by a factor of X at these key retailers. That's how I know that it's working. So, you know, I think now we finally have like granular data on the TV side and on the out of home side that actually, you know, gives brands and direct to consumer um, companies the confidence to invest and to reinvest and hopefully to stay with us for the long haul versus, you know, showing up with a station domination for a month and then piecing out and, you know, sort of, you know, not not advertising. Right. 
I would just add that we we all know that the media works together. It's more it's more about how it works together and we're really focusing on paid media but it really it's the whole spectrum it's earned it's owned it's paid and i think if you're designing into the notion that you need to leverage all of those media types in a way that feels connected and thoughtful then i think that's where you really start to piece together your success formula for your brand one of the other like novel approaches and i think Casper certainly, you know, pioneered this to a certain degree is actually taking some of like the social marketing strategy right and bringing it to out of home. Interesting. Cuz traditionally when you think about out of home it's like it's the same message on the same real estate for like 4 weeks. Right. And they were smart because they they certainly had, you know, traditional out of home but also really invested in digital out of home which then allows you to update that message with with frequency. Mm-hmm. So you're actually able to show up in in context and to deliver I think a more compelling story or to build a more compelling relationship with people over the course of time versus having the same message over and over and over and over which I think very much, you know, mimics a best practice for for social platforms and social channels. It's keeping the conversation relevant and right. you were talking a bit about, you know, brand purpose and, you know, ensuring that, you know, brands are sort of, you know, evolving with the times and advocating and showing up for the causes that their audiences and that their consumers care about. And I think this social marketing approach to out of home is something that, you know, Terry and the crew at Casper cracked first, but now is starting to become part of the out of home playbook going forward. Yeah, I would add that it feels like a, it feels like a human to human conversation instead of a brand talking to a human. And I think that social lends itself to that type of dialogue, which feels potentially more intimate, or it feels like it has a better opportunity of resonating. Right. No, that's great. So I I guess, and this is a great way, a great question to end on. If you look at what the the future of like the D2C playbook will be, how are you thinking about, to your point, bringing this like social kind of style strategy to other platforms? I think that's a great insight into um, how this might be evolving going forward. I think it's just having honest conversations and and speaking from a place of um, authenticity and Mm -hmm. speaking from a place of having done your homework and your research and, you know, trying to create a better option. That is better for people, better for the planet, better for the people you're responsible for making decisions for. And so I, I really think it it becomes it becomes a more intimate conversation. I think that's where the connection points lie. And I think if engagement score becomes this thing that is an indication of success, then that's really what we should be focusing on. I think you said it perfectly. And I and I also wonder, like to your point around this idea of like new KPIs like engagement scores or, you know, m- maybe it's a resonance score, you know, does that then, you know, incentivize brands to um, you know, have a hold themselves to a higher st- a higher standard when it comes to um building relationships with their audience mm-hmm. and creating that feedback loop so that they're creative and you know, their media and, you know, to, to your point, even their product is continuously, you know, optimized and grows alongside those consumers going forward. Um, so with that, Terry, Kenton, is there anything that you two would like to plug? How can our uh, listeners find you on the internet? 
So I've got an embarrassingly small social footprint, um, but if you want to see pictures of my dogs, <laughs> and my nephews, and my niece, um, I'm Teresa Lynn four one two on IG and just at Rockovich on Twitter. Love it. And where can they uh, find Jinx? Jinx is going to be coming to market in fall of 2019. And so Jinx is a pet wellness destination. So we are providing a line of consumables that serve as this nutritionally complete solution for the modern dog's dietary needs. And it's really geared toward the savvy millennial consumer. The anticipated launch is in fall of 2019, and it includes a direct-to-consumer website and a really kind of experiential marketing activation that's going to be based in LA. And so that website is going to be thinkjinx.com. Awesome. Well, listeners, if you hear that, if you're in LA in the fall of 2019, uh, keep keep your eyes and ears open for the launch of Jinx. Kenton. So yeah, so intersection.com, that's us, uh, I think, for direct-to-consumer brands that are interested in partnering to explore new and novel ways to reach consumers in public spaces. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Personally, you can find me on Twitter, at Kenton. Yes, I've, I've, I've had that since uh, 2007. Wow, bravo. O- OG Twitter. Um, and then I'd encourage any New York area listeners to attend our Transit Techies meetup. Um, effectively a group of people who are very interested in exploring technology and urban partnerships and transit partnerships to make um, city experiences better. So you can learn more about Transit Techies by visiting us at transittechies.nyc. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, and listeners, if you're looking for more great content, please check out our website, ipglab.com. From there, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Uh, you get access to our Medium blog, and you can follow the lab uh, on Twitter and Instagram at IPG Lab. So if you like what you hear, share, tell a friend, uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Whatever you can do, we greatly appreciate it. So thank you, and we'll talk soon.